Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Rabbi Alex Israel on the holiday Purim. Be sure to catch Rabbi Israel's other Purim podcast featured on the Pardes Daily app. It is not too late to take the Unmasking Purim Challenge. Download the app, select the Bible track, and you're ready to learn. Visit www.pardes.org.il forward slash Pardes Daily. And now, here is Rabbi Alex Israel. Shalom! Purim is on its way, the most happy, wild, party-like holiday of the entire Jewish calendar. And indeed, the celebration of Purim with all its costumes and its masks, and maybe the Megillah itself, with its sort of carnivalesque party atmosphere, uh, it reflects the opening of the Megillah, where Achashverosh holds a party, a feast, for 180 days. But, in the same way as we don costumes and masks for Purim, this 180-day feast is just another one of the masks of the Megillah. Because with all this feasting, there is no joy. I'd say not only is there no joy, but there is fear, there is intimidation by a king who can flare into a rage at his wife. Intimidation by a Haman who has exclusive power, whose pride is hurt by a Jew, Mordechai, and then plans to annihilate, to kill, to murder an entire nation. So this carnival of Shushan might wear a happy mask on the outside, but underneath the clown's mask is a frown or a, or a sour face. And so suddenly we're talking about masks and costumes, and the Megillah has a wonderful concentration on clothing. Clothing tells the story in so many ways, in chapter 4, after the evil decree has been, the letters have gone out to annihilate the Jews, it says, Mordechai tore his clothes, he wore sackcloth and ashes, and he went out into the city and cried a great cry. And in fact, this is echoed by Jews in every single town, who call for fasting and crying, and they too wear sackcloth and ashes. However, as we see the Nahafalchu, the reversal of the story, uh, by the time we reach chapter 8, Mordechai um, goes out from before the king with royal clothing, with tchelets, uh, some sort of blue clothing, which... Um, is a sign of royalty. He's wearing a, a beautiful gold crown. And the whole city is happy. And not only is the city happy, but it is reflected in all the Jews. So we see Mordechai's clothing. Where else do we see clothing and costume? Well, of course, we remember that scene where the king cannot sleep. He's got something on his mind and he calls for his chronicles and finds out that Mordechai has saved him from an assassination attempt 
but has not been rewarded. And just then, at that critical moment, Haman comes in and the king says to him, What would you do to a man who the king would like to honor? And Haman thinks to himself, Well, who would he want to honor more than me? So he says, Well, why don't Yaviu Levush Malchut bring the royal clothing which the king has worn? And the king's horse and the king's crown. And, you know, somebody should lead this person dressed like the king through the streets. And of course, what does the king say? Mordechai doesn't, ex- uh, Haman doesn't expect this. He says, This is what you should do with Mordechai. Uh, Mordechai now is paraded around wearing the king's clothes. And we all know that sometimes a mask or a costume can either hide your identity, but alternatively, it actually reflects our inner identity. You know, some people, when they dress up, they dress up as something totally different from themselves. But many people dress up and it is a reflection of their inner selves. And if I reflect to another tradition of Purim, which is uh, drinking, <laughs> drinking alcohol, the rabbis say that a person is known bekoso, bekiso, bekaso. Lovely pun. Koso, kiso, bekaso. Through his drinking, through his uh, expenditure, and through his anger. Because there are three ways that sometimes we express our inner selves without even realizing it. Uh, through our anger, things come out. What does what irritates us, or how do we act when we're angry? Bikiso, sometimes what do we spend money on is actually a true reflection of who we are, and of course also bikoso, when we get drunk, um, sometimes our inner selves come out, and this is a, a amazing moment in the Megillah where the veil, or maybe we should call it the mask, is torn from Haman because. Haman is now revealing in some sort of almost Freudian slip that he really wants to be the king. He really wants to wear the king's clothes and he wants to take the king's place. And I think the king sees through this. And it's only in the very next chapter that the king deposes him and and has him um, hung because the king already senses he can sniff out the fact that this man is not only a powerful man, but he's really got his eye on the throne himself. And this would be a classic example where clothing, clothing in the Megillah, is reflective of one's inner self. So here I would like to turn to one of the key moments in the Megillah at the beginning of chapter 5, where the Jewish people, as we say, have been are under threat. And Esther has already fasted for three days. She's already told everybody to back her, Knosset Kol Hayudim, gather all the Jews who are in Shushan and fast for me, don't eat, don't drink for three days and I won't either and then I will go to the king against the law and whatever happens, happens. Vahibi Yom HaShlishi, it is on the third day, chapter 5, verse 1, Vatilbash Esther Malchut. Esther stands at the entrance to the inner courtyard where the king is sitting on his throne and she is going to risk her life. And how is this introduced? Vatilbash Esther Malchut. Esther dresses up in Malchut, in royalty. 
And the Talmud asked the question, Big day malchut mi bai? Esther's a queen. What do you mean? Why does she need royal clothes? Are not all her clothes royal clothes? I mean, what do you think she's wearing? She's wearing her sweatpants. She's, uh, what's she wearing? She's a queen. So, you know, why, why does it need to mention that she, she dresses in this way? Now, of course, from a regular perspective, from a literary perspective or from a narrative perspective, we would, uh, this isn't really a question, to be quite honest, because, of course, we understand what it means. It means she dresses up in her official royal clothing, whatever they might be. She puts on her tiara, she puts on her special royal clothing because she wants to show the king that this is an auspicious moment. She really has something urgent. And indeed, the king sees it immediately because he 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 responds to her and says, Malach Esther Malka, what's up? Esther, what do you request? Even half of the kingdom, I will give it to you. He understands that she is dressed in such a way and she is standing in such a way and she is approaching in such a way that there is something important that she has to ask. But the Talmud doesn't look at it from this direction. It wants to bring out a drash or bring out another idea. And it says, so what does it mean when it says Fatilbash? Esther Malchut, and it answers, Lavashta Ruach HaKodesh, that she was enrobed, she was enclosed, she was surrounded by the Divine Spirit. In other words, that at this point, it's not just Esther who's standing there, but it is God who is standing there. The Big Day Malchut, the royal clothings, are the clothes of the ultimate Melech, the ultimate king, the king of the universe, and not just the royalty of Persia. Now, how does this exactly uh, figure itself out in terms of the story? What exactly are they saying? The big question, one of the big questions of the Megillah is uh, regarding the Jewish identity of Mordechai and Esther. And many people have, in the traditional read that Rashi will bring, uh, Mordechai is is incredibly religious. He is the head of the Sanhedrin, and Esther, as we know her other name, Hadassah, she is a good Jewish girl. Um, and in this regard, you would you would read them as very devout Jews. However, many people have raised the question even about their names. Um, Mordechai from the name Marduk. Um, Esther, also from the name Ishtar, and Ishtar and Marduk are both Persian names which reflect uh, the gods of Persia. If you read the Megillah, it's quite possible that Mordechai is a fourth-generation Jew in Persia, already very acculturated and assimilated into Persian culture. He's Yoshev Bashar HaMelech. He is in the gate of the king, which doesn't mean that he is a doorkeeper. It may, might mean that he is in a, if we say Shar HaMelech doesn't mean the gate, but rather maybe the West Wing, as we would call it. He's very high up in society. And if Esther can get away with not giving her ethnicity and not telling people she's Jewish, that means that she doesn't have an accent and she can't easily be identified as a Jew. Which means we're dealing with people who are quite assimilated. And, and therefore, when Mordechai tells uh, Esther, and she hesitates and says, go represent the Jews and go save the Jews, and she says, you know, what do you want me to do? What she's really up with a choice is, do I now sort of come out the closet? Do I now 
come out with my Jewish identity in a very, very obvious way to the king. And this is not an easy thing to do when she's been hiding her Jewish uh, identity for years. And indeed, this is what she says when she tells Mordechai, gather all the Jews in Shushan and fast for me. Don't eat and don't drink for three, for three days. And neither I nor my maidens will do this. And then I'll go to the king. Um, what she's really doing at this moment is, is actually standing up as a Jew for the first time in her life. She's actually saying, okay, there's a job to be done for the Jewish people. I'm the right person in the right place at the right time. And I have to stand up and be counted as a Jew. In fact, this image of her standing in a state of fasting and going into the king's throne room to sort of ask for life instead of death has been seen by many as uh, almost like a reflection of the image of the high priest entering into the inner sanctum of the temple, the Kodesh Kadashim, the Holy of Holies, on Yom Kippur, risking his life in order to turn death to life on Yom Kippur. She is, in this way, the image of the high priest, and she is wearing clothes. She is wearing her royal clothes. She is wearing her clothes of Judaism. This is the moment in which the Ruach HaKodesh, the spiritual side of her, is enrobing her because she at this moment for the first time living up to her Jewish identity. And here the question of course is, as I said before, is this a costume which is put on which is truly reflective of Esther or is this an imposition on Esther? Is this is something that is not natural to her? And here along come the Hasidic works who say that indeed this is what every single person has to do. This is what we want to try and dig down to on Purim, is to ask ourselves those critical questions of identity. What exactly is our costume and what is our essence? Can we use Purim as a spiritual opportunity? And here I go to look in a wider lens at the entire Megillah, where of course the name of God is not mentioned in the Megillah. But through the cracks of the story, there are so many, so to speak, coincidences. There are so many um, moments in which history could have turned a different way, and it doesn't, that we read this as a religious document. We celebrate it as almost like an equivalent of Hallel, says the Talmud. We don't say Hallel on Purim, but instead of Hallel, we read the Megillah because we're so sure that God is guiding the hands of history. And it is in the Hasidic works that they beckon us to also indeed dig down and ask ourselves the question, uh, what is our true clothing? Is our true clothing the clothing which sort of uh, denies the role of God in our life? Or are we, like Esther, going to find the clothes, the true, um, the true outside of our life and turn our outside to match our inside? Are we going to be able to find the true essence of who we are, which is the, the godly essence, the Jewish essence? Are we going to find a way to live up this Purim to our Jewish identity? We are, we've just been through a year where we're wearing masks. <laughs> we're wearing masks in order to protect the people around us. And I think that many of us have found ourselves 
I think more than any other time in our lives, in a very, very unpredictable situation, a very volatile situation where we almost cannot plan anything. And um, suddenly with coronavirus, with COVID, we've found ourselves in this, in this situation where we are certainly not in control. And the question that we, maybe we can connect with this uh, Purim is to ask ourselves, well, if we're not in control, uh, where is God in all of this? And uh, where will God speak to us, both in the events of the last year and in our Jewish identity? Today, in our corona world, we aren't so connected to our, to our shuls and communities. Maybe we are virtually, but we frequently can't attend them. And therefore, we have to dig down into our own selves and try and ask ourselves, how do we build that inner connection to our Judaism and that inner connection to God? in our lives and maybe as we spend this week before leading up to Purim and experience Purim and the Shabbat afterwards maybe we can ask ourselves indeed those questions how can we how can we reinforce our Jewish identity and dig just like Esther did to try and enrobe ourselves with godliness in order to find the God who is guiding the guiding hands behind our life Thank you very much. I hope it really is, despite all the restrictions and all the difficulties of celebrating Purim in a corona era, I hope it really will be a joyous Purim um, for all of us. Thank you. Purim Sameach. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcast today. You can also subscribe to our other podcast channels by visiting us on Spotify or online at elmod.pardes.org. Tune in next week to listen to Rav Mike Foyer as he discusses Parashat Kitisa. Thanks for listening.